Welcome to the Warriors of Education podcast, bringing you heartwarming and real conversations with teachers on the front line of education from across the country. I am Karen Sarah Watson, and I am a teacher. This podcast is for those who want to better understand the experiences of today's teachers. Come join us. Welcome to the Warriors of Education podcast. Today, I'm thrilled to have Marla Kilfoyle here. She's the former executive director of Badass Teachers, BATS, and she's the grassroots liaison for Network for Public Education. Marla, I'm so happy to have you on here. You're one of my favorite people, and I would love to hear about what you're doing now and, um, and where you live and how things are going right now with the pandemic and all that stuff. Well, it's great to be here, Karen. Thank you so much. Um, well, I, I'm a former educator. I retired in January of 2019. Um, I taught for 30 years. Uh, I taught most of my career in a suburban community out here on Long Island, uh, Oceanside. Uh, also taught a year in an urban community in Broward County at Strandland High School, and also a year in a rural community uh, out in Limestone, Maine. So had a pretty interesting 30-year um, run there. And uh, as you noted, I was the executive director of the Badass Teachers Association from uh, the time that it booted up in 2013 um, and then kind of gave up the helm um, in May of 2018. Um, currently, um, I am the uh, grassroots liaison for the Network for Public Education. I picked that up in, um, I think it was February of 2019. So I've been there a little over a year now. Um, you know, we unfortunately, you know, during the pandemic, we're sort of still tracking a lot of stuff. Um, you know, in fact, I just read through the um, current National um, Recovery Commission um, and how we're going to reopen the economy that was just put out by uh, the president and the federal government. There's some concerning things about education in there. Um, you know, so that if, uh, we still have to stay on top of, of a lot of this so that they don't dismantle. Uh, public education. And um, so unfortunately, we're still kind of really busy. So tell me about the work, the grassroots liaison work that you do for Network for Public Education. Um, it's really um, very fulfilling work. Um, it, it really was a, a great transition for me because as you know, BATS was a, a lot of part about bringing people together from all over the country, um, specifically educators and parents, um, to sort of talk a lot about what was happening in public education it was like that thing that nobody wanted to talk about right you were a part right. you know right um so my transition into the network for public education was really sort of taking that experience and connecting people um and mpe hired me you know um you don't say no to diane ravitch right or right. carol burris for that matter um <laughs> so uh yeah i was very honored that they brought me on board um you know, between Carol Burris, um, Darcy and I, you know, we're the, the three employees at work. We get a lot of work done. My job really is um, to build and bring together. Right now we have about a, over 140 organizations in the MPE Grassroots Education Network. Um, they're all over the country. And um, we really just use this vehicle to connect people. So a great example is, um, you know, if we have anybody that's having an issue with uh, education savings accounts, or as we call them vouchers, education vouchers, uh, or tax credits, um, we would connect them with the, with our Arizona SOS people who have really successfully fought back 
vouchers. Um, or we connect them with the Pastors for Texas Children who also fought that vouchers. Um, so the, the ability to be able to connect people has been very rewarding. Um, we also highlight a lot of what these organizations are doing throughout the country and, and hoping that other people in those regions will connect with them. So like, for example, I'm doing the April newsletter right now. Um, and we have, if not all of these organizations, I'm gonna say at least 90% of them, really stepping up for their communities, um, delivering meals, helping parents access online. Um, I mean, it, it just goes on and on, translating stuff in Spanish for our um, Spanish-speaking parents. They're really stepping up um, on top of the advocacy that they're continuing to have to do to make sure that they don't dismantle public education. Um, yeah. It, they're really doing some amazing things. I'm, I'm very, very honored to, to be a part of that and watch this work and to connect people. So that's kind of really what I do. I do a lot of research for Carol. Um, if something's going on and she needs some research done, um, we'll do research. So she'll throw me things, you know, if she needs help with, with something, if she's researching it. Um, it's, it's really a neat job. It's, I, I have no complaints. I'm very blessed. Well, I love Diane Ravitch, so I'm, I'm excited to get to talk to you who works with her. So that's, um, she has a huge fan base and teachers, definitely. Um, but just to go back, so people don't really know what BATS was, um, what Badass Teachers is. Can you explain, because we met through there. I was lucky enough to do, I had a solo show called Ripple of Hope, and I was able to perform at your convention. Um, and it was, I just love the whole idea behind it. And I'd love you to talk about that for a little bit, too, about sure. what the organization is about. Yeah, BATS, BATS is, is still an amazing organization. It's still badass. <laughs> um, uh, they're right now, the executive director is Melissa Tomlinson. She, her and I worked together for five years. Um, she's amazing. She's an amazing advocate. She is an amazing organizer. Um, they couldn't be in any better hands. But BATS, as you know, started in um, June of 2013. And it really was born out of the anger of teachers um, for, you know, really having their autonomy and their profession taken away from them. And that would include the introduction of being rated on test scores, uh, scripted curriculum. Um, as you know, Karen, the, um, the doing away of arts and music yep. and, and yep. all of those great programs. Um, and I think finally teachers were like, you know, what the heck's going on? And um, Priscilla Sandstead and Mark Nason, who were the co-founders of, of the organization, um, Priscilla one day said to Mark, because uh, they were in a, a Facebook group called Badass Parents. Uh -huh. And Priscilla said to Mark, we should start a Facebook group called Badass Teachers. And Mark said, then start one. And that's what Priscilla did. She started the Facebook page and I am telling you right now, it exploded like a bomb, just boom. How many people are now a part of Badass? I think it's close to 70,000 on the Facebook page. Oh my um, God. They have a very, very big social media following. Um, they also, um, you know, when I left the organization, you know, we had a pretty extensive email listserv. So their access to people um, is pretty extensive. and. Um, as you know, uh, we had lots of demonstrations in DC. We had another one in Seattle. 
Um, you know, we would have a summer thing every year on top of everything that we did all year long. And I mean, the job for me and for Melissa and for a lot of other people that worked with us, you know, we had over 250 people volunteer to work with us. That's incredible. And that in different states. So it was like this mechanism we were able to set up that was very, very organized, which was more me because I'm very organized and methodical. But there was also that creative component, which was really Melissa. We had an amazing graphics team as well uh, that still exists there, a phenomenal board. I mean, it just was a great team that was able to kind of compile this organization and run it. And um, it, it still does. It's still a, a very powerful organization that advocates for educators and children and parents and communities. Um, it's incredible solidarity. Yes. I mean, what I, what I love is that so much in, in education, we're so in our own communities. As a New York City public school teacher, I feel like New York City is just its own thing. Like, it's hard to see that there's other things happening outside our community. But what I loved about Badass, what I love about Badass, and what you do is that you bring people from all over, and we have so much more in common than we think. So much more in common than we think. And I think if when teachers organize and when they become in solidarity, there's power in that, especially when we're dealing with the cuts and the governmental and the, the politics and everything else that's coming down on teachers like on a day-to-day -day basis. To have a grassroots organization like this is incredible. And I love that there's 70,000, 70, is that what you said? 70,000 members? I think that's, it's, it's gotta be close to that. It's gotta be pretty close. If not in the mid 60,000s, it's close. <laughs> yeah, and we need, we need to have that, that partnership. We need to be there for each other because God knows we have enough going up against us. Yeah. The other thing I noticed, that I've seen your articles on high stakes testing. I, so can you tell me about some of your your work with that about against high stake testing? Well, my foray into that was, uh, was really through um, the launch of Common Core. You know, I had at that time a third grader, um, his education took a huge change. And um, then he took the state test at the end of his third grade year, the ELA. And it, it just, we had a conversation. It wasn't sitting well with me. So when I entered into to taking uh, and sort of being at the helm of VATS as the executive director, we really fought very hard. And as you said, this sort of sense of solidarity, when teachers started to come together and tell their stories, it was like, oh, I'm not alone. Oh, I don't, I don't feel like why we do all this work through the course of the year with these children and they shine and do so wonderful. And then on this one day, it's all gone. Yeah. And if you're not a good test taker, I wasn't, my kid isn't, there's lots of people that aren't, there's lots of people that have incredible intelligences, whether they can sing or dance or play an instrument, that may not be sitting there that one day and taking a test. No, I wasn't. So, I was a terrible tester. Right. You know, and thank God the arts helped me through because exactly. I just thought I wasn't smart because of my test grades, you know? Yeah, and I think, I think when... You know, I'm going to say something I probably shouldn't say, but this is just my uh, my thought is I think that when test scores began to be used to, to rate teachers, I think that became the aha moment for our profession. And, you know, I saw it a lot in the advocacy work that people began to say, wait a minute, 
we're now going to rate teachers on this one day. And I used to say this to teachers, but we were always, always okay to rate kids on one test on one day, right? So now we're rating teachers on this one test. So the high stakes version of it became teachers losing their jobs because they weren't getting good test scores from their kids. And you and I both know you don't teach in a district that has kids that are good test takers, you're screwed. So yep. that whole dynamic of the high stakes environment became not just for the kid, but also now for the teacher and for the school and for the administrator. So our work became very centered around that. Um, it evolved over time and in different ways. You know, first it was rallying against rating teachers on test scores and looking at a lot of the data and research on that. And then of course it, we began to look at how they were weaponizing the test, right? So they weaponize it and they use it predominantly like, you know, I worked uh, very closely with G2 Brown, a great organizer in Chicago, um, and looking at how the tests were being used to weaponize black and brown communities to close their schools. Yeah. And that took a whole other course for us. So that's kind of it in a nutshell with the high stakes testing issue. So let me ask you, with everything that's going on now in the world, with this pandemic, how do you think that's going to transform? Do you think it's going to transform yeah. what's happening with testing? So tell me your thoughts about that. Well, I think, I think education in and of itself is going it, to, we're going to have to be really diligent um, and really mobilize to stop um, the Koch brothers from, and the Heritage Foundation. I just read the, the reopening report from the federal government. It's all about letting kids use vouchers to go to school where they want. It's all about, um, you know, reimagining, they use these really nice words, reimagining education. Um, I think high stakes testing and testing is gonna be the least of our worries after this. I really do. If anything, I think, as you know, in New York State, they got rid of the Regents exams and yeah. um, the elementary testing. I think, what we're going to see with testing is that we don't really need it. We can actually assess what kids are doing, which is what we've been telling people all along, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that people are, I think uh, administrators are kind of lost right now mm -hmm. because that's all that they've been focused on. Yeah. I know that in where I work, the entire year is focused around high stakes testing about the ELA exam. I teach in an elementary school and everything we do revolves around that. All of the, the rewarding systems and who's, you know, who's classed best and all this sort of competitive, you know, this competitive thing about testing. And when they, when they said we don't have testing, I don't know, I don't know what the school knew what to do. I think, you know, I was, I was, I wasn't even teaching out of my, I was teaching, I was a theater teacher in science because they had cut my program. But now that there's no testing, I'm back to teaching theater again, which is fantastic because, you know, they need, the, they need other things. They realize that what they've been missing. So I really hope that this is going to continue into the next school year. I mean, it is very scary with this administration about how they're going to take advantage of this to get their agenda across. And that worries me. But I feel like there's a collective breath of air because we don't have to be tested right now. This is, this is, this exact time is when everybody's getting tested. And without that, then what is education? So we have to reevaluate what is education. 
And I'm curious how, and going into your work with Network for Public Education, how is the pandemic affecting that work for you? Um, it definitely was, I would have to say for about a week, we had to sit back um, because as you know, um, MPE and BATS and, and a lot of these grassroots groups that, that work sort of collectively in that space um, were just hammering the, uh, what Diane Ravitch likes to call for, in her new book, Slaying Goliath, the disruptors, right? So on a daily basis, just hammering them, Carol writing and publishing and researching. So now we have to kind of sit back and go, all right, is this the right time to be doing this sort of stuff? Um, so as a, you know, as a work group, we kind of had to sit back and say, how do we want to re redirect this energy? And I think we've done it in a, in a pretty good balance where we've slowly gotten back to, we discovered that, for example, charter schools, uh, CMOs, these charter management organizations, were actually applying for the small business loan funds that was coming out of the stimulus. Oh package. my, are you serious? Yeah. Yep. And wow, and wow. So we struggled back and forth with making that public because, you know, it's, it's horrible. And we were just like, no, you know what? We got to make this public. They're hurting the small business people. These are the kids that we're teaching. So we made it public. So I have to say for about a week there, we, like everybody else, we just sort of were like, okay, how are we going to navigate this? And, you know, it, it really is a, a great testament to Carol's leadership um, and to the board uh, for Network for Public Education. Um, I think, you know, right now we're business as usual. I hate to use that word uh, with a little carefulness. You know, we're very careful. One of the great things that we've been doing is collecting stories about all the great ways that public schools are stepping up. So that gives you like that little bit of, you know, watching the teacher go to a kid's house and read a story because the kid is, you know, the child is scared. Mm -hmm. um, Do you have you other know, stories you can share? I would love to hear oh, some of the things that you've heard. The, the best one I saw was actually in Pennsylvania, a school in Pennsylvania. I don't remember the name of it. I think it was Hartford or Hanford. Um, they're going to have graduation at a drive-in theater. Oh my I'll God, that's a that. great idea. Right? Oh. So I was like, oh my God, that's such a great idea. Um, my, the district I used to work for in Oceanside, we phased out iPads. We had thousands and thousands of iPads. They repurposed them and gave them to Mount Sinai Hospital so patients could keep in contact with their families. You know, oh. it's just, I mean, the other one was a, um, a little girl that was uh, deaf, or maybe it was a little boy that was deaf and, you know, was having, struggling with online learning. The teacher went to the house for several days and did lessons in sign language, you know, between the glass door. I mean, it's, you know, teachers well, are- Yeah, like I mean, teachers greatest. are incredible. I mean, yeah. that's the other thing is that teachers have really, you know, and this is not against administration because I don't think that they understood what was coming their way either. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we had, we, in New York, we had three extra days we had to be there and it was really scary for all of us. And we were supposed to go through this training to do online teaching and nobody knew what they were doing. There was really no training. And I do not, I don't blame the administration because I think that they didn't know what to do either. 
we, you know, I was at a school with, that wasn't tech savvy. So how are they going to teach us if they don't understand themselves? So it was a really difficult position to be in. But what I did notice is that it was teachers teaching teachers. And that most of the teachers that I've spoke to on this podcast have said, if it wasn't for my co-teachers teaching me how to go online or us working together and getting strategies together. And I think that's another reason I, I wanted to do this podcast is I really want to get teachers' voices out there so that people know that they're not alone, that we are all in this together. And I think the work that teachers have done with each other to figure this out has just been beautiful. And I love that story, um, I, I love all those stories that you're that you're sharing, and I think it's great. How are you getting this out? How are you getting these stories out there? By the way, we're actually putting them on our website, um, networkforpubliceducation.org. Um, if you go to, I think it is, uh, we have like a um, an alert tab, like an action alert. We have all of the stories there, um, and Darcy is updating them weekly i just find them and plunk them on a document for her and she updates them i think the other thing we're doing which has been really really inspirational is diane ravage every wednesday from 7 30 to 9 um, is having conversations we're doing zooms with her and she'll invite a special guest so the first one we did was her talking about her book and this one she did last week was with uh, reverend charles foster johnson from pastors for texas children it was a great I mean, great conversation. Uh, tonight we're doing Mercedes uh, Schneider, um, and she is a teacher in uh, Louisiana and an author and a blogger. Um, so we have her tonight and Diane. So we've been doing that every Wednesday night. We're getting a lot, a lot of people come online. And um, last week, I think we had close to 100 on the Zoom. So. You know, we're just, we're kind of trying to figure out like everybody else, you know, how can we continue this work, which we will. Um, Diane and Carol just wrote a really powerful letter to Joe Biden uh, that got published in the Washington Post. So, you know, we're just keeping on, keeping on and trying to support people and teachers and students and communities. What do you find the most challenging thing right now for you? Um, Honestly, is I'm on social media every day because I do a lot of the media for MPE. And, you know, I go on social media and you just see, um, I think I just saw something like um, New York City just lost, lost 63, I think it is, educators. Yeah. Um, paras, you know. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of paras, a lot of paras. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's hard stuff to see. It's hard to see people on Twitter, on Facebook say, you know, I, I just lost my cousin. I just lost my mom. Um, if if I didn't work for MPE, I I probably would take a break from social media. It's, it's hard to see this. It's very yeah. it's very traumatizing, and um, you know, um, it's hard. It's hard, and it's hard to focus and concentrate. I'll be honest with you. It's very yeah. difficult. Very yes. Difficult. It is. So, so where do we find hope in this? What, you know, how do we move forward in this? What do you think? I think, you know, I was actually, I had, was having a conversation with my son today and I tried to do a check-in with him. You know, he's 17 years old, so he doesn't really want to talk to his mother, but he's <laughs> me a little bit more lately. <laughs> but, um, I, you know, I think we find hope in kids. You know, I think we, I, I find so much hope in children. I find so much hope in watching teachers do 
what they do, and that is love kids and love their profession. So I find a lot of hope in those good stories. Um, that's, you know, I find hope in all of that. And yeah. um, I pray that when all of this is over, that people see that. Yeah. I really do. Yeah, I feel that, definitely. And um, tell me, if people want to get involved, what, are they, what, are, what can we do to get involved more in helping what your cause is and really um, supporting teachers right now? What do you suggest? Well, I think, well, there's two, there's two ways. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm um, here we we talked about two really strong organizations. Um, the Network for Public Education, again, has our MPE um, Grassroots Education Network. You can go on our website, uh, networkforpubliceducation.org, and sign up for our email list. Um, if you run a grassroots organization, organization, sign on and become a part of the organization. We'd love to have you. You can just go to the um, website. Uh, as you know, Badass Teachers also has a website and a, and a Facebook page and a Twitter feed, as does Network for Public Education. You know, whatever social media you're on, give us a follow and just try to connect. Sometimes that's just the easiest way, you know? Yeah, definitely. Well, I just want to say thank you so much. I, I'm, I'm already a huge fan of yours, but talking to you today just really sh uh, shows me how much I, I really appreciate the work that you do and what a difference you're making in this world. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just really important right now. And we, we need heroes like you and, and Diane and all the people who are the people at Badass. So I'm grateful for your organizations. I'm grateful for the work you did and you're, you're doing right now. And I can't wait to see what comes next with you. So make sure if you're out there, just check out their websites. Um, also, if you are a teacher or an educator and you would like to be on this podcast, uh, you can go to warriorsofeducation.com and there's a contact page. Just write me and I'd love to talk to you too. So thank you, Marla, for being part of it. I really appreciate it. And I wish you all the best in, in all the work that you're doing. Thank you, Karen. Thank you so much. This has been the Warriors of Education podcast, dedicated to all the hardworking teachers across this country. We hear you. We see you. We honor you. Thank you.